Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, Rob the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Rod, I'm doing really well for two reasons, uh-huh. not just one today. So normally I'll say like, oh, the weather's great. And it is, by the way. It's Summer's fantastic. I'm just, it's it's like springs upon us. And uh, we only have like two weeks of this, so we just got to enjoy it. <laughs> yes. But that's not the only reason I'm excited, Rod. I'm excited because our friend Kobe, who is uh, basically takes care of our digital, uh, maybe not, is that the right thing? They IT. take care of like... IT. Yeah. Thank you. Take care of IT stuff. He came and changed out my monitor and I'm loving it. I know you have the same one, Rod, yep. but I'm very excited about it because I have been frustrated with like my various mm-hmm. monitors for years. And now we've got this big old monitor. We can put, we can put stuff all over the place, Do whatever and, you want. And it's just like so crystal clear and nice. Anyway. So I'm super excited that I don't have multiple monitors. It's uh, really making my life better. Now, Rod, here's the deal. I don't think anybody that's listening to this is all that um, interested in my monitors. So let's get to our topic. Today, Rod, we are going to kind of take a little bit of a different approach. Now, before before I get into what we're talking about, I need to preface this by emphasizing that we, on a podcast, of course, cannot and do not give personal financial advice out. And we don't intend to do that today. What we do intend to do, however is lay out kind of an example situation, uh, maybe a typical a typical early um, client that we might see, someone primarily that's like transitioning from mm-hmm. traditional to the alternative space. Yeah. So we're going to lay out the current situation, and then we're going to talk about the problems that come along with that. And then we're going to talk about, more importantly, how to create solutions and moves that can be made to, to actually solve the issues that we're going to be talking about. I like it. Okay. So, uh, Rod, do we have any announcements I need to hit on? I don't think so. I think we're good on announcements. Okay. Let's go right into it. So the impetus for this, for this podcast came because we recently got, and we get this, this email all the time, but mm-hmm. people are like, what do I do with all of my IRA money? Yeah. Right. Um, that's a really common question. Or they might be like, okay, Rod, uh, I've got all this IRA, I've got all this IRA money that I've been saving for years. Can I use that in the investment optimizer, a capital avalanche, a way that mm-hmm. I can do different things with it? So I'm not just kind of stuck investing in my, you know, mutual funds and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, not that there's no place for mutual funds, but oftentimes when people see the opportunities that exist in the alternative space, they have a more of a desire to at least move more of their money into that space for, for several reasons we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, but that's the question that we get, right? So, so when I originally started putting the outline for this together, my focus was going to be on what to do with all the qualified money. And mm-hmm. we are going to hit on that. But as I started kind of getting into it, I felt like it would be more interesting, hopefully more entertaining to talk about an actual situation and just kind of talk through what types of moves we would make. So we're going to be as specific as we can without having an actual client in mind. So what I did is I basically created a, 
let's call the person June. Okay. So okay. I have a really good client that I, that I love that she's just a sweetheart. Rod knows her, uh, June yep. Reed. So this is a shout out to June Reed. Um, this is June. This actually is not June Reed situation, but I'm naming it after June Reed because, um, she's such a good friend and client. Okay. So we're gonna talk about June today and June is a 55-year-old surgeon makes a million dollars a year. She's been maxing out her 401k and death benefit, or, sorry, maxing out her 401k and her defined benefit plan, cash balance plan for years and years, right? She probably started doing it when she was in her, you know, early to mid 30s. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, in addition to that, she's putting a bunch of money into HSAs. Mm -hmm. So from a qualified standpoint, she's got money going to the 401k, the, the cash balance defined benefit plan, which generally allows for much higher um, contribution limits. And yep. then in addition, she's also putting a bunch of money in the HSA for future medical use. So she is doing everything you possibly can, at least in that um, traditional space to lower her current income taxes. Yeah, what all the financial gurus would tell you to do. Yes, right? she's doing everything that the financial gurus would say. And if you listen to... Well, I was going to actually spit out a, a specific name, but I'm not going to do that. But even in the medical space, like the financial, the financial gurus in the medical space that are just like giving cookie cutter advice and saying, okay, if you're a high income earner, you need to like minimize taxes like crazy. Like, mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to um, bust that myth while we're going through that. Yeah. I like okay. okay. So in addition to that, Rod, she's been saving about $50,000 a year into a non-qualified brokerage account. Yep. Um, I decided the account value on that is about 1.2 million. Okay. 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 So let's talk about kind of her total situation. And, and again, we're talking in general terms, but this is enough to, to give us some idea on, in terms of moves that we want to make. So her total qualified money is right around 4 million. Non-qualified money is about 1.2. She owns her primary residence worth 2 million. She owns it outright and has a vacation home valued at 1.4 million. She currently owes $400,000 on the mortgage on the second home. Um, and then she has a cash value life insurance policy. It's a VUL and it currently has about $500,000 of cash in it. I think she's putting $70,000 a year into it. She got crazy on that then. She's yeah, she's following been doing, the gurus on everything she's been else. Doing it a long, she's been doing it a long time. Like, here's the deal. She has a strong income. She's been making yeah. significant money for a long time. And just over time, you look for places to stash cash, right? Yep. Um, okay. So, yeah, but she has been uh, doing all of the things that the gurus. Okay. So, here's the deal. June has had a recent awakening. Mm -hmm. June is like she she uh, caught one of the money. In, she caught the virtual summit recently. She caught an ad for the virtual summit. She goes and checks it out. And she's like, holy smokes. I am like missing this whole world of opportunities. And so, since that time, she's been reading and looking into and understanding better some of the things that we talk about often in the alternative space and has come to this realization that at the very least she needs to do more on that side. Yeah. She may not, she may not go all, all in and be like, okay, I'm, I'm just getting rid of all this stuff, but she, she definitely is feeling like she needs to make some moves um, because she's feel like she's missed out. You know what she said to us, Rod? She said, why didn't I know this 20 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Okay, the, the reason right. I say it that is because we hear that like, yeah, we do. like three times a week. So that's yeah. what that's what June said to us. Um, okay, Rod. So 
we're going to get into the place where I'm going to let you lead out on some of the recommendations and problems that we have with this. But now that we've kind of laid it out, um, here's the two things that she's a little bit concerned or Mm -hmm. two goals that she came into our conversation with. Number one, she started to realize that all of her money was qualified and she's like, holy smokes, like all I'm going to be doing is pulling out qualified money and my, my taxes are going to be the same or just as just, they're going to be just as bad as they are today Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. And that while, while I get, she has a, you know, a first world problem, high income, it's still frustrating. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. And if you you come up with effective ways to do better then why wouldn't you? Right. Okay. Absolutely. So she came up with that thought. And then, um, she also realized again, going to the alternative wealth building virtual summit, she realized that she wasn't in the alternative space at all. And so she's hearing these people who are gurus talk about the value of investing in things like real estate. And, and she really just doesn't have any of that stuff in her portfolio. Okay. Mm -hmm. So June is on a track that we see people like regularly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, there's different tracks that people are on or different, everyone's on their own path and they're on, different, different points of that path. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're right at the beginning of this alternative wealth building journey. And sometimes they're further in, but June's right at the beginning. The good news is Rod, we can help her navigate this. uh, So there's no issues going forward. Absolutely. Okay. So Rod, why don't you take the next couple minutes and start laying out for us? What are the primary problems that we see Mm -hmm. with the approach that, uh, and the current situation that she's in because again she's in a good situation but there's there's some opportunities for optimization that could make it much better yeah she's clearly committed to doing what it takes to put the money aside put it to work and she just realized that maybe she wasn't doing it in the best way possible right and rod i didn't even say this but she's realizing that even if she just continues to be a good saver she's probably going to run up against the estate tax right that's true so so she's around Eight million now. Um, obviously, the number is higher than that currently. She's single, by the way, so she's sitting at like you know when she gets over eleven or twelve million. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does have children. So anyway, my point here, and by the way, I'm making up her life as we go, in case anyone was wondering <laughs> like about it. this. Uh, but but anyway, okay. So sorry, Rod, I cut you off. Let's keep going down the primary challenges with this approach. Sweet. Okay. So number one is tax inefficiency. And we it's say that problem. because we we, oft, we often will hit on this point, but tax savings is very different than tax deferral. All the money she's putting on the into the four hundred one k, the cash balance plan, she's just pushing the tax down the road. She's going to still have to pay that tax. She's just not paying it now, which which feels better for her. It makes her CPA feel better that that at least you know there's that something is happening there. And it makes like the the physician podcasters feel like, hey, they're really listening to me. They're putting their money in these qualified plans because that's the only place that physicians should save money. Yep. Okay, that was a little over the top, but you get the point. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that's number one. Okay. Tax inefficiency. Number two is tremendous uncertainty. Okay, wait, Rod, wait, wait, wait. Can I go back to tax inefficiency before yeah, we hit on this? Okay, I just realized something that we need to hit on, just just briefly. The problem with the tax inefficiency is that every dollar that she brings out later is going to be taxable. And it gets even worse if she runs up against an estate planning tax situation, mm-hmm. then that qualified money could be double taxed, could be not only income taxable, 
but it could be estate taxable. And suddenly you're losing like 70% of the value of an IRA. It's insane. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. So anyway, I just wanted to emphasize like the tax inefficiency. Obviously we know about the impact of um, income taxes and what that looks like, but adding that additional layer of estate taxes could be, could make her problem much, much worse. Absolutely. No question. Okay. So that's tax efficient inefficiency. Number two, tremendous uncertainty. Oh man, Rod. Okay. Let me talk about this for a second. So this one, and we, we kind of know why there's tremendous uncertainty, right? Like the biggest mm -hmm. reason is, is that there's no plan behind it. The plan is put as much money away into these plans mm -hmm. and hope that these things bring back what I need in order to live a long and fruitful retirement, right? Like that's and, the plan. Yeah. And as long as we're kind of building her past as we go, she was feeling really good about where she was. Right. You have four million in qualified plans, another one point two in the non-qualified. She has all all the equity in her home, et cetera. So and the and the second home. So she was feeling really good. Like before before the, the virtual summit, she was feeling like, man, I'm on track. I can retire early. I'm gonna I'm gonna have all these great things happening. And then she oh had just had that We've realization that, that uncertainty of, oh, okay, well, now what? Right. This is where I am. Yeah. Now what? So she's so she's not at this place where she's like panicking and thinking, I don't have an I don't have any money. She's obviously done a good job saving. She has money, but she doesn't have a plan, um, a predictable and consistent way to bring out cash flow. So mm. that is a massive issue. And if you're used to living on a million dollar income, well, guess what? You probably want to have a similar type of income for the rest of the duration of your life. Therefore, it can't just be as simple as, you know, hope that the market does its job and provides the significant enough returns that I can just take what I want out of it. Right. It's not a plan. It's hope. Right. And, you know, we know we know that like we always talk about the Monte Carlo simulations, even if it's an 80 percent chance of probability, like 20 percent chance of running out of money is way too high. Yeah. And at three percent. Right. Great. Yeah. The four and million it, is going to produce one hundred twenty thousand for her. Great. Yeah. We got to do way better than that. <laughs> way better. And that's the other thing I should emphasize: by making some of these adjustments, we're going to maximize not just the cash flow, the consistency and predictability, mm -hmm. but also the amounts. Yep. The amounts. Okay. Yep. Okay. Good point. Hey, I have a I have a thought on that, uh, and and I think you had something similar too. But I remember a few years ago I was watching uh, a video on YouTube of some guys pontificating they were in the traditional world and talking about retirement planning. And they said something about kind of what you were saying with the kind of Monte Carlo. Well, when, uh, if, if the market, um, isn't favorable for you, then it's not like you just keep driving that car until you run into the wall. You, you adjust as you go. Yeah, And, that's and, and true. I couldn't help but think, okay, well, the problem is what are those adjustments, right? You're retired, like you're done. You walked away. You no longer have. In her case, she can't just step back into the room, to the operating room, and, and pick and up go. where she left off. Two two nope. years or whatever, five years into it, when when it becomes clear that changes need to happen. So then her advisor says, "Well, you're just not going to be able to take as much income. We're we're going to have to to cut this down a little bit." Great, good answer. Okay, thanks for bringing that up, Rod. That's a really good point. I actually read an article this morning that emphasized a very similar point. Okay, so I'm reading this and I'm just kind of like blown away. His epiphany moment as it relates to 
the success and failure of retirement planning was that we need to have stress tests. So stress mm -hmm. tests, we love stress tests, right? Yeah. We talk about how much we stress test the capital avalanche uh, to make sure that it's going to run no matter what the situation is. Well, okay. So this advisor, his, his concern with the stress testing methodology, what is, is that it was based on success or failure, mm -hmm. right? So you run those and you figure out whether it's actually going to succeed or it's going to fail. Well, he's like, that's not really the way to look at this. What we should be looking at is he said standard of living and how much income we should be spending. So basically what he did is he created a fancy way to say, instead of telling people that by, by doing it this way, it's either going to succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is be more gentle and say, if it, does this, then you're just going to have a lot less money to live off of. Yeah. No yeah. big deal. Right. So it goes back to that same point, but, but I was just thought to myself, like, well, can't we be a little bit more creative, a little more innovative? What about the idea of actually creating a plan that does do those things? I know mm -hmm. that's crazy, but that has less, less uncertainty the where, where we actually know what's going to happen. And that's the wild, the wild kind of crazy part about this is that Prior to a decade ago, when I started getting into the alternative space, I had been just like this person thinking that the way to do was through mutual fund. And, mm -hmm. and again, having a place for that is one thing, but thinking that I can build an entire plan off of that is, it's just crazy. And it's so much less effective than what we're going to be laying out here. Yeah. It's okay, interesting sorry, though that he, sorry, so excited. no, I'm, it's interesting that he brought up that flaw because if you think about it, like success in that model means you had a dollar left when, if you had a dollar left when you died, that would be the definition or that yeah. would fit the definition of success, right? <laughs> but what if you lived a day longer? Well, turns out you failed, right? Well, and can I just tell you, if you're, if you're plowing through money at this, at any pace, one, you're not feeling comfortable, you're not feeling good. Yeah. And so success to me does not look like a depleting balance that I have to feel anxiety and hope like, Okay, I hope I don't live to be 92 because mm -hmm. that's that's going to be then a I'm year too long, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, okay. You make cool. a good point, Rod. Okay, let's move on to number three. Okay. Yep, number three is there's little diversification in what she's doing right now. And we're going to define that in two different ways. Obviously, well, maybe not obvious. In that traditional world, this whole idea of diversification is is just like pounded all the time, right? Yep. Constantly, Rod. Diversification. Um, asset allocation, rebalancing. That's yep. what it's all about. If you do those things in your in your portfolio of mutual funds, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, well-diversified, balanced portfolio. Yep. The problem is when they talk about that, still everything is inside of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? So is it diversified? Like she's probably pretty well diversified inside of what she has going on with the mutual funds, with the different things that are that are in the 401k, the cash balance plan. That's probably true in that definition. Yeah. But in the in the true sense, like she's not very well diversified because because it's all in that almost all in qualified funds. The fact that she has any non-qualified is awesome, right? Yeah. For her that she was doing more uh, on the side than they would than she could fit into her qualified plans. But it's a challenge so on the investment side, she's not very very well diversified. Because you can obviously add a lot of alternative investment opportunities, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what that would look like for her. Well, and strategy, Rod, like from a diversification standpoint, it really is the the entire plan is basically 
put as much money into qualified plans yeah. and mutual funds and then live off of that. So yep. to your point, there's not a lot of strategy. We don't have uh, we don't have strategic moves that are being made to create the, the, the right outcome. It's kind of like a push it against the wall and hope for the best. Right. And yeah, and that's too common, by the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but then the second thing, which I think is not often looked at, is the diversification in terms of tax. So when, like you said earlier, when she gets to retirement and it's like, oh, every dollar that I ever live off of from here on out is, is going to be taxed. Well, that's a problem. That makes it even more difficult to plan because you don't know what taxes are going to do in the future either. You, you're in, paired up with Uncle Sam and whatever whatever they decide to do on that side. It's completely out of your control. Well, and Rod, if you look at her situation, right, she's got her house paid off. So the mm -hmm. one the one tax deduction for a like significant tax deduction for a high income earner is out the door anyway. Like yeah. it is a she has she's certainly not diversified from a tax standpoint, and it's going to have a significant impact on her ability to draw income and like yeah. her ability. And when I say income, it's it's going to have a significant impact on the net income that she's able to draw for many many years. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's number three. Number four, less than optimal returns. What, wait, Christian, are we saying that, that you can't get good returns inside of the stock market? That's what I'm saying, Rod. You cannot get, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously you can get good returns in the stock market. Um, and I, I always say this, I invest money in the stock market. However, However, our experience working with thousands of people and seeing, you know, being highly exposed to both that traditional side and the alternative side, like there's just more opportunities to create better returns, utilizing leverage in the alternative space than what we have in the traditional world. Yeah. I know we beat that, yeah. we beat that drum like crazy, but it's true. Like one of the best things that someone who's in that traditional space, just, just the idea that I can move into the alternative world, even partly can make an absolute difference in what their money situation really looks like. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And then the number five is that she has little to no predictable cash flow from this. Back to the retirement issue, right? Like, yeah. The, the whole she's going to retire. She's going to have a bunch of cash, and then she's going to have to figure out how do I take this cash out. And yeah. most likely, she's going to be introduced, if she hasn't already, to that wonderful four percent rule. That's really three percent, and she's yeah. going to be like, "Gosh, I've saved a lot of money, but it doesn't seem like I can use much of it." Yep. Um, and okay, great. So those are the problems that we see with it. Now let's talk about some of the solutions. So again. This is not personalized financial advice. We have to do that over and over because we live in this crazy litigious world that we live mm -hmm. in. But um, I want to make sure that that's crystal clear. Okay. With that said, Rod, now let's get into the moves that we would make for June. Sweet. Okay. Number one, Rod, she needs to become educated around alternative, alternative investing. Here's the good news. June is already on her way. She's been to the virtual summit. She's been reading and consuming information. We've got a meeting set for next week. Like we are absolutely on the right track. Um, but that is the first step because guess what? The transition or like even looking into this world doesn't happen unless there's an openness and a willingness to become educated 
in things that we haven't already. Good news is June's already on that track. Absolutely. She's moving. Okay, number two, Rod. Here's here's where we start getting into the money moves. Mm -hmm. First thing we've got to do is we've got to reduce the amount of money going toward qualified plans um, without affecting her match. So Rod and I always take the approach that there's that there should be balance. And it's too common to see extremes. Even when we're talking mm -hmm. about traditional and alternative, like too many people are just so extreme. There's no place for this. There's no place for that. Generally speaking, our belief is that financial tools, most financial tools can have a place. We just have to find out the right place for them. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the situation, right? Um, but the starting point here is to make sure that we get as little money going toward qualified plans going forward as we can. She already has 4 million there. Mm -hmm. Now that said, going back to my point, I don't want to affect the match because yeah. that's free money. Any way you shake it, she's getting a, you know, if she gets a 50%, hundred percent match, she's getting, that's the return she's getting. I just can't make sense of um, not taking advantage of that. So the math tells me that you reduce that while still taking advantage of any types of, uh, decent match i shouldn't say any match but any decent match that she's getting from like an employer okay yeah for sure and we and we run into this all, all the time right where someone they could get a match up to three percent or up to six percent that, that is fewer and far further between these days uh at the companies that offer those but so up to that point you know keep doing it but but in her case in order to get to the four million she's at now she's been doing a lot more than that much higher percentage yep so we're going to reduce that. So I would say, let's see, I can't remember how much I had or having going toward that, but it'll be um, something like half of that will come back out or we'll start going toward other things. Okay. So the, the third thing that we do that we need to do, Rod, is we need to look into setting up a solo 401k. And a lot of people listening will know that as a QRP, self-directed mm -hmm. IRA. Um, and the reason is to have more flexibility specifically in what she invests in. Yeah. So maybe talk about that, Rob. Yeah, we talked about the diversification. Well, even inside of the qualified money, she has the ability to, to do that. Now, this is what's kind of one caveat. Number one is if all that money is in a 401k with your current employer and that employer doesn't have rules in their, in their plan that allow you to take the money and do something else with it, then then you might kind of be locked in. But I think in in most cases... Uh, we we find that a lot of people have former 401ks with a previous employer that they rolled into an IRA. That money obviously is all available uh, and or in they're in a 401k that allows you to move some move money out of the the employer's plan into your own plan and and then you can do that. So um, we we kind of talked about the solo 401k that would be for someone if they are or have any level of of kind of self-employment their own business. Uh, but then even, even without that, the self-directed IRA can be done for anyone with, with those dollars to move it into uh, a place where they can now decide what they want to invest in. Guess what, Rod? I have great news about this. <clears throat> June checked in. She looked at the plan doc. She called her HR department and the plan doc said that she could take out a partial uh, withdrawal. Okay. By the time she can move a portion of her money by the time she's 55. So all good right. news is we're 55. She just barely hit that number. We're able to move. So they can't move all of it um, up until for five more years, not available, but at least as of now, there's the opportunity to move some of it. So Sweet. one of the moves that we're going to make around that is we're going to get some of that money 
into um, a different place. Sweet. Okay. So Rod, I'm excited to talk about this next one for a minute. Um, and when I say I'm excited to talk about, I'm excited for you to talk about this next one for a minute because it's a little bit, I don't know if complex is the right, the right word, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit unique and interesting. So take a second and talk about this idea of ta- of setting up an optimized life insurance policy, like the investment optimizer style mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. inside of a qualified plan. And then, well, I'll let you get into the reason why we would do that. Okay, cool. So she uh, attended the virtual summit, which means that she heard us talking about the cool things that can be done uh, using the investment optimizer and the capital avalanche inside of this alternative investing world. Um, And so she's saying, well, what can I do with my qualified money? Is there a way to do this? Okay. And like you said, this one's a little more complex because it has just multiple steps that are involved to make it happen. But really quickly, I'll, I'll, I'll hit on at a high level. Inside of a a qualified plan, uh, it has to allow for this, but uh, life insurance can be purchased with assets that are already in the plan, okay? Up to as much as you want, okay? So she has the 4 million in there. We're not gonna say she puts all all the 4 million, but let's just say she took 500,000 or a million of it, right? And decide, hey, I'm gonna put that money. It it still is inside of the plan, but I'm going to put it into an optimized life insurance policy of the type that we use with the investment optimizer and the capital avalanche. Now it exists in the in the policy or inside of the qualified plan. So you say, well, now what, right? So it's it's in the policy. What you can do is you can take outside funds to buy the policy out of the plan. Okay. So in her case, she has this non-qualified money. Um, so she uses a portion of that, puts that cash into the plan, and buys the policy out. So now the policy still exists, but now it's outside of her qualified plan. It's where we want it to be in relation to using it and the investment optimizer side, using it for the alternative investing that she's going to do on the capital avalanche side, being able to now use leverage towards that to continue funding it. So, um, and and you might say, well, what, what's the purpose for that? Why didn't I just use the, the non-qualified money that was already outside of the plan for that? And the reason is because when we set up these new plans, we are creating or we have, we, we have these costs that are heavily on the front end, right? So if, if I can take on those costs, but do it with kind of tax deferred money, then there's a even more efficiency in the, in the process by doing it that way. So I've, I've taken that hit on the tax deferred side, tax benefited side, uh, and then I'm using cash to buy it out. And I just have more, I, I had to put less money into it after tax money, so to speak, into it in order to get what I have now in the cash value ready to use for those strategies. Okay. Okay. That one's interesting. And and obviously that's one that we evaluate. We look into more detail and determine mm-hmm. what's the what's the ultimate um benefit and is it worth making the moves to do it. But yep. it's an interesting one because it can be it can be really effective. And by the way, there's a few other things that are kind of that we won't get into that are like more like uh sophisticated advanced type strategies that are probably not ultra applicable to everybody, but that we might look into in kind of these types of situations. Uh yeah. anyway, we won't go into those now. Okay. So uh that was number four. Number five, Rod, we want to Put the difference toward the investment optimizer. So when I say the difference, put the difference, the money that was going into qualified plans, a portion of that money that we've now reallocated, that's going to go into the investment optimizer for a couple of reasons. 
uh, one, so that we can start investing in alternatives, right? Mm -hmm. That's the point. We've been, we've had the epiphany that the alternatives are the way to go. And the next best move is then to get cash uh, or to create cash available that I can invest with. And of course, that's what the investment optimizer is there to do. You put cash in it, you use it to invest, um, and it creates a bunch of efficiencies and an additional layer of profitability that you could not get by investing directly out of like your bank account or money market. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to set up the policy. Um, uh, we're going to put the difference toward it. We're going to invest in alternative assets, and we may consider using a portion of it for the for the capital avalanche. Um, but we'll get to that. So, so that's one. We would use the capital avalanche in this situation as a way to create future retirement cash flows. So this would be like, like um, instead of using you know money that's going into the mutual funds it would be like okay i i have an idea of i want to create x amount of dollars per year per month when i retire and then we would determine how much of that number we felt comfortable creating through the capital avalanche which of course is a leverage strategy focused on creating the maximum amount of retirement income um and so it's a far more effective way to create income than you know, just putting that money into the, continuing to put that money into the qualified plan. Yeah. But to your point, it takes time because we're using the leverage. It has to bake for a little while. It might be 12 or 13 years before she's ready to start taking income out of it. But that doesn't mean she has to wait until she's six or six, 67 or 68 to retire. She could still retire at 60 or whatever her plan was and live off of some of these other things in the earlier years and then turn on that income when, when she's ready. She could create. She could do that. She could throw additional money in it up front. Use a little less leverage to create income yep, more quickly. Yep. Lots of options um, in terms of what that would create. So um, that's our next move. Okay. So the next thing that we want to do, Rod, is we want to invest in tax-efficient alternative assets. Talk a little bit about like what we're talking about there and why we would do that. Yeah, we often talk about one of the huge benefits of of investing in the alternative space is the fact that we can be more tax-efficient with it. When we invest in real estate, we we have depreciation, and, and especially recently with this bonus depreciation, it's much more beneficial right away, um, tax efficient right away. Uh, so that's part of it. When when you invest in businesses or or inside of your investing, you create a business to do that, then you have tax deductions uh, with associated with the business, etc. A lot of the strategies that we talk about in the alternative space. Again, these all may not necessarily be appropriate in her situation, but you think about oil and gas or some of these other things that that come with enormous tax benefits, then that creates an additional layer of benefit for the alternative asset space. Yeah. And to be clear, right, like most of the people that we work with primarily invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. But um, we all, we like to encourage people to try to diversify as it makes sense. And I've talked about, you know, some of the thing, what well, we've talked about, some of the things that we've done with the ATM fund. I recently mm -hmm. bought some gold and like, uh, and, you know, I'm not expecting, you know, on my precious metals to get some massive return. That's more of a hedge play. Mm -hmm. But, um, but a lot of these things that we're, that we're doing are to create, more diversification, but also create income like the ATM fund. Yeah. Focus on well, income. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because the whole idea behind the diversification is because different asset classes come with different pros and cons, different risks, et cetera. So I always laugh when, 
when people come to us and they're like, Hey, I, I found, I figured out the ultimate, the optimal investment. I put all my money in this one thing. <laughs> this is and the, I'm gonna, it's, it's it. going to do everything for me. And it's like, yeah, I mean, no, don't, it, don't do it, that. Nothing can don't do fall everything. Into that trap. Yeah. yeah nothing can do everything, everything comes with those risks. But if you, when you diversify, then you can spread yourself across different things, account for different risks and, and issues that could potentially come up because of that. Perfect. So we recommend at least two alternative investment categories. I would say at least two in addition to your real estate. Yeah. Okay. Next, Rod, we're on number eight. We want to create passive cash flow. Um, and this goes back to the certainty issue. We mm -hmm. need to start accomplish like creating a, a real plan that can um, replace my income when I come into that place where I'm no longer going to be working. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what's the best way to do that from your perspective, Rod, you're saying create passive cash flow. What do, how do I do that? Yeah. I mean, the, the it's kind of just goes back to the whole Robert Kiyosaki uh, have passive income, passive cash flow that can replace my working income. Right. So in her case, again, she's coming from this place where the whole point was uh, building up this nest egg that she's going to tap into in retirement. Now she realized that's not efficient. That's not going to do it. So now she has she has some a large amount of nest egg there, right? So that becomes part of the overall plan. But she needs to be creating these these forms of cash flow, which again can come a lot through the real estate, uh, other things like notes that have very predictable. Uh, income coming off of them. We talked about the ATM deal. Um, so there are a lot of different places where you can invest. And like for the ATM, it's not at all about building an asset. There's no appreciation of the asset. It's just gets, it gets depreciated over the, the next seven years. And then it's the asset goes away. You, you, they touch, they toss it into the trash heap. Um, but the, it created this amazing amount of cash flow for you during the seven years while it was productive. Right. Yeah, so that's an income play that you would want to make in the moment when you're needing the cash flow, yep. most likely. Yep. Um, okay, so here's what I would do. I would I would take income from a few from a few places. Obviously, I've got to take some I'm gonna take some of my income from my qualified plans. Mm -hmm. Um I'm gonna take I'm gonna create as much as I can between now and when she retires in real estate cash flow. So in her case, she's likely not gonna go out and find individual homes. She's a She's a high-paid, active mm -hmm. surgeon. She's going to be going into um, high-quality syndication deals, yep. uh, primarily. Then that's that's where we would probably focus. And she already has the cash and the money to do that. So now it's a matter of just finding the right um, opportunities and starting to like go do that. So now she's got that four million. We still have a portion over here in the um, regular stock sponsors mutual funds. Let's say, let's just say we broke that in half. We've got two million over there. We have two million now going toward um, the. Some of it's going toward the policy buyout that we talked about. Um, we've got a, a still another portion of a million or so. We're going to start. We move that into like the QRP. So now by doing that, half of it is still in more traditional stuff. Half of it's now in giving us an opportunity to go into the alternatives. That's the money that we initially invest in the alternatives. In addition to that, money that's going into the investment optimizer for ongoing growth in cash or, or like her ongoing contributions to her plan, that money, in addition to the existing cash that she has there, can also go toward it. So she has like a lot of opportunity to go and create that, but that's probably the way I would do it. And then 
in addition to that, I would take a portion of it and, uh, and maybe it's like a couple hundred thousand as a one-time down um, to create a capital avalanche policy that, you know, creates her a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in addition to the real estate. Perfect. Okay. So at least those are some ideas. Okay. So Rod, number eight, we talked about um, create passive cash flow so we can generate more certainty in retirement. One of the ways that we do that, one of the primary ways that we do that is making sure that we add leverage to the equation, which is something we talked a little bit about up above, but um, leverage is one of, if not, I always talk about this, if not the most important wealth building tool that's available. One of the challenges that obviously exists inside of the traditional space is that it's not utilizing leverage. Right. So what we've done then by do, making these moves is we're adding that leverage inside of the capital avalanche, but also inside of um, things like real estate specifically. So even if I just added um, syndication, you know, syndicating real estate deals and um, my capital avalanche, I've now added an, enough leverage to make a significant impact in terms of what my cash flow will look like in retirement. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Finally, Rod, we want to make sure we get involved with alternative investment groups. And our experience has just been that this is really important. The good news is, is that there's a lot of really great groups. If you want some recommendations, then certainly reach out to us. We have some great groups that we're kind of partners with that we'd happy to get, we'd be happy to get you connected to. Um, again, our experience is that people who take the time and effort to kind of do that, they just find more success. And it might be as, as much as anything, just due to being around more opportunities, talking to people who are exposing themselves to other things. And suddenly, instead of having this small world where I can't find any anything to, an invest, to invest in, my world becomes much bigger and I have all sorts of investment deals that are available to me. And now it's just a matter of doing my due diligence and determining which ones make the most sense. Absolutely. And the other thing too is that you, a lot of us aren't surrounded by people who, who think the same way and are looking for the alternative world and all that kind of thing. So you make new friends, you meet new people who who are on the same path as you are. Again, they might be at different points, like you pointed out earlier, but the fact that you're all working toward the same goal makes a huge difference. Now, now you can see and, and talk to people who have maybe been where you are right now, or uh, you you work together, you kind of strategize together, you, you band together, whatever. We, we've seen all kinds of different ways that people end up working with these people that they met in these communities. Yeah. And it becomes dynamic, right? We've, we've actually seen groups formed just right. from like people kind of connecting initially and then building something of real significance. Yeah. So you can do a lot. It really is a big deal to just get involved with groups of people who are like-minded and who are going for the same types of goals. Okay. Yep. Rod, let's wrap this thing up and then we'll call it a day. So here's what we talked about. We talked about basically five things that were problems and, 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 and basically we brought these 10 items out, nine or 10 items out that we felt like would, um, adequately as at least at a high level, adequately get us on a track. That's a lot more effective. So let me just go over those really quick. First of all, we had better tax efficiency and, um, obviously we had several moves that become, that are focused on taxes, the, the adjustment in where, where money's coming or where money's going into, um, less money going to qualified plans. We bought some, we're buying some of the money out. We're starting to put more money into um, the investment optimizer. All of those things are creating um, significantly better optimization from a tax standpoint so that they're not in that tax trap moving forward. Yep. Second thing we talked about is 
getting into real estate to create more certainty. And, and that's the primary way to do it, right? I say real estate, alternative assets, but real estate's been kind of the bread and butter for, for most successful uh, alternative investors. And so our, our encouragement would be look for really good, high quality investment opportunities that create cash flow. Um, and that will make a massive difference. We talked about broadening the base of investments. Obviously, that happens by by going away from exclusively that traditional space and getting into the alternative world. And finally, creating strategic cash flow. So it's kind of funny, Rod. Really, there's like there's like four items here. And basically, by moving into the alternative space, we accomplish all of these things like right. immediately. Yeah, so absolutely. that's that's how impactful that is, and that's probably why we keep beating that drum. Uh, okay, Rod, is there anything you wanted to touch on that I didn't? I think that's it. Okay, well, thanks everybody for hanging out with us for today, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.